Good morning. Welcome to University Chapel and showing good California spirit, not being afraid of the rain. And aren't we lucky to have the rain? We will begin our opening cantatelle, followed by an invitation to lean to the gracious presence of God. Please stay seated and take time of silence for your own reflection. Please stand. Holy is God, holy, immortal, ever-loving, ever-present, here and now. Come and see that the Lord is good. Come find refuge in the love of God. Come to worship hungry, hungry for comfort, for love, for a new way of living, for your word. Holy God, in this time of worship, feed us full with your love, grace, and peace. Good morning. Our first reading is from Psalm 118, verses 1 and 2, and then 19 through 29. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you. O Lord, O Lord, we beseech you. Give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Our second text is from chapter 2 of Paul's letter to the Philippians. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. <clears throat> and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, 
Every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Here ends the readings. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Thank you for braving the rain to come to chapel this morning. Thank you to Kim and Aaron for uh, reading our sacred texts. We know last week, Pastor Melissa asked us to, invited us to do the hard thing, and some days it seems very hard to love God, to love one another, and to just love. Our world seems most often filled with anything but love, particularly absence seems to be love for the neighbor. Gun violence continues to plague our schools, our societies, and just this past weekend, gun violence struck close to home down the road at the Oaks. And it's a sad measure of where we are that the news that it was a murder, attempted suicide, was something a relief, that it wasn't a random mass killing. And then later we learned that, in fact, it's connected here to our campus, someone here at Cal Lutheran, part of our family, and learn about the story and how that act of murder was rooted in love that turned to bitterness and anger emotions that wrapped themselves around a gun and took a life. And even since Saturday, we've had another shooting in a school in Maryland, bombs in Texas, and there seem to be countless other examples of violence and hatred throughout our world. So these days, loving in all its forms seems pretty difficult, and yet clearly is more important than ever, more necessary than ever. To paraphrase the song, let me for a few minutes look for love in what will seem a wrong place or perhaps a strange place. When it comes to romantic love for people of my generation or perhaps a little bit older, there is this classic film about romantic
Wouldn't it have been lovely if we'd met before? I think we may go mad if we think about all that. I shall always think about it. in 1965. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, you saw the cast of uh, greatly talented actors in it, uh, award winner, including for best uh, actor and best picture. I think that year it would have won a lot more awards if it weren't for another iconic film released then, The Sound of Music. The film is a romantic love story set against a backdrop of dramatic political, social, and economic upheaval, and it certainly is a compelling story to watch. But this year, when we've been asked to reflect on love and its many meanings, I keep going back again and again, not to the film, but to the novel on which it was based, of the same name, Dr. Zhivago. It was a novel I first read way back in the day uh, when I was in college. And um, it's always stayed with me, and it's stayed with me particularly this year with our theme of, of love. Boris Pasternak's novel, Dr. Zhivago, also is a great work of art. It's a great book. It's a sweeping story that links many narratives together. But at its heart, it's a meditation on love and the power of love to triumph over death and despair. While the movie is great, uh, and I recommend it if you haven't seen it, the book is great too, but in much more complex and deep ways, and in its explicit Christian worldview. The richness in the book is impossible to capture in a two, three-hour Hollywood blockbuster. We wouldn't expect to find it there. So they are stories about love, but very, very different stories. And um, this one, this morning, I want to talk about that novel. But I want to acknowledge I've, I read it in English, not in its original Russian, and I know there is much of it that uh, remains hidden to me. A bit of background, Boris Pasternak was a uh, Russian poet and writer born in 1890. He died in 1960. That is, he lived in Russia during the years of the Russo-Japanese War, the Revolution of 1905, World War I, the Bolshevik or Communist Revolution, the Russian Civil War, the creation of the Soviet Union, the descent of Stalinist terror over that nation, the creation of a vast system of prison camps, of government-sanctioned famine, and World War II, just to name a few of the lowlights. So much tragedy, so much death. Some people estimate that during those years, more than 100 million Russians died. That's a number that is just, for me at least, impossible to grasp the magnitude of that. That was his world, and that was the one that he wrote about as a way to find meaning in something that seemed utterly meaningless. As a poet, uh, for Pasternak, writing a novel was a little bit out of his comfort zone. It took him nearly 30-some years to write it. Uh, there were some bits that go back to the 19-teens and 20s. It was perhaps unsurprisingly originally banned in the Soviet Union, denounced by the ruling Communist Party, and instead it was published for the first time under still rather mysterious circumstances in Italy in 1957. 
and the following year it was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. Um, Pasternak avoided imprisonment and execution, a fate of many dissidents in the Soviet Union, including writers and poets, but he was not allowed to accept the Nobel Prize. Uh, in fact, he was forced to write a letter rejecting and refusing it. The novel was finally released in Russia only in 1988, and it was that time that uh, Pasternak's son was able to go to Sweden and collect the Nobel Prize for his by then deceased father. The novel is a complicated one, and it is very difficult to translate into English and into other languages because of its remarkable use of Russian, uh, both modern and medieval, as well as Old Church Slavonic, a language that is related to Russian and perhaps akin to Latin in that it was used in Russian Orthodox liturgy. The hero of the story, Yuri Zhivago, played there by Omar Sharif, uh, Dr. Zhivago is in fact a medical doctor as well as being, like Pasternak, his creator, a poet. The novel is suffused with love in a world every bit as horrific as ours, a world of revolution, of war, of genocide, of famine, of families torn apart and communities destroyed. At one level, there is the love that Zhivago develops for the character of Lara, played in the movie by Julie Christie, a romantic relationship that gets tested by repeated separations brought on by wars, revolution, death, disappearance, and one has to admit also the awkwardness that each were married to someone else. Um, and that really is the story that uh, the movie tells. But in the novel, there's a lot more, including many characters that don't appear in the film who provide political, philosophical, and theological foundations to the story that Pasternak tells. And the novel goes way beyond romantic love to address issues of love of neighbor, love of humanity, all of which is understood and expressed as love of God. Pasternak's family were uh, Jews, primarily non-observant, and later in life he converted to Russian Orthodoxy, though it's not quite clear when that conversion happened. And uh, both Judaism and Orthodox Christianity are evident in his writings. To many critics, Dr. Zhivago is uh, seen as a Christ-like figure. In Old Church Slavonic, his name, Zhivago, translates roughly as of the living. Those in the Russian Orthodox tradition would have understood the reference. It was used regularly in worship when repeating the question from Luke's Easter story, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but risen. Or Old Church Slavonic, it would have been, I'm not going to do Old Church Slavonic, but why do you look for Zhivago among the dead? So any reader would have understood that reference. The novel begins with a funeral, a funeral for Dr. Zhivago's mother, at which a passerby asks, whom are they burying? And the answer comes, Zhivago. But of course, that's understood to mean the living one. So at the start of the novel, you have death burying life. But what follows are complicated and interwoven stories about how life through love overcomes death. It's a long story, it's a complicated story, 
And there is plenty of death and destruction and despair and dismay along the way. And Pasternak did believe that suffering characterized Russia, and he believed that suffering was the path to overcoming death. Through the story of Zhivago, Pasternak lifts up the supremacy of love over repression, of love as a form of freedom that overcomes fear. Individuals who are free to love for him stand as a complete rejection of the Soviet system he lived under, in which the group, in which the collective was supreme, and there was no place for the individual. Only free people can love each other and love God. Love and freedom for Pasternak come only from God and a personal relationship with God. So freedom, life is sacrifice, love of neighbor, all these themes run throughout the entire book. And they reflect his understanding, his orthodox understanding, that life will, in the end, win out over death. Choose love and choose life. The novel ends with a series of poems written by Zhivago. The last one is called The Garden of Gethsemane. And so as Christians head toward Holy Week, let me end by reading its final few stanzas. I should note that in one of the last stanzas, there is an amen that ends it. That doesn't actually end the poem, and it does not invite a congregational response this morning. So the concluding section of the Garden of Gethsemane by Yuri Zhivago, the fictional creation of Boris Pasternak. Peter rushed the cutthroats with his sword and lopped off the ear of one. He hears, disputes can never be resolved with iron. Put your sword back in its place. Could my father not provide me with hosts of winged legions? Then, having touched not a hair upon my head, my enemies would scatter without a trace. But the book of life has reached a page dearer than all that's sacred. What has been written must now be fulfilled, and let it be fulfilled. Amen. For the course of the ages is like a parable, and can catch fire in its course. In the name of its awful grandeur, I shall go in voluntary suffering to the grave. I shall go to the grave, and on the third day rise. And just as rafts float down a river, to me for judgment, like a caravan of barges, centuries will come floating from the darkness. Gracious God, please bless and shelter this community and sign them in the book of love and love and life priestly blessing. May God look upon you with delight, and may your heart open in gladness. May God's love fill your whole being with tender grace, and may you share God's love with others. May the many blessings bestowed upon you be sealed with peace. Amen.
God, love to heart, take it with you and spread it all around. Embody it always. Love one another. Go in God's peace. Amen.